This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to People Talk. People Talk is about getting ahead at work, becoming a leader, establishing your personal brand, and motivating yourself and those around you. Hosted by Angela Hall, who has decades of experience working in the field of human resources, you can expect lively discussions about topics like workplace politics, dealing with difficult employees and clients, creating an inclusive workplace, and jump-starting your career. Here's your host, Angela Hall. Hello, this is Angela Hall, and welcome to another episode of People Talk. People Talk is a podcast where we talk about all things related to work, career, balancing, work and career, just anything related to work. This week, we're going to talk about how to choose your battle at work. We've all heard that phrase, that's not a hill I'm ready to die on, or you need to pick your battles wisely. Well, I'm gonna give you all some advice today on how to go about doing that. So in an ideal world, we would live free of conflict. Um, Everyone would skip and hold hands and it would be Shangri-La, or maybe not. Maybe if everyone got along well, we would never have a change. We would not have people to challenge the status quo. Regardless, you know, we don't live in a world where there's no conflict. We don't live in some type of utopian type of society. And even if we did live in a society where we had a little conflict, we would probably not be operating at our, at our peak, our peak capacity. So that being said, while we're at work, sometimes we have conflicts. Sometimes these conflicts are over process, how we do things, or outcomes, you know, what what we should do. Um, We talk about process um, conflict, and that occurs when, so I know that we have to um, accomplish this goal, but sh- what order should we do it in? Um, who should we go about notifying? Um, how, what kind of data do we need to get? Do we involve customers? It's, it's the how. Then we have um, the outcome related conflict. Like what should we do? Um, so should we, for lunch, should we go to lunch or should we not go to lunch? Um, or if we have lunch, should we have, um, should we go to the new Mexican restaurant across the street or should we go to our favorite Thai restaurant two blocks away? I guess, you know, I guess I'm thinking about food and it's pre-pandemic mode because I'm not going anywhere now, unfortunately. But um, it's what you're going to do. And both of them present different types of challenges, right? Um, In some ways, the outcome type of conflict is a little bit uh, more challenging because you're not even, you don't even have a a clear goal in mind. Process type of conflict can be a, a way that, hey, you can convince people 
yeah, we still, we want the same goal. So let's just put our heads together and try to find something, find some ways that we can, um, that we can do this in a way that we can achieve this desired outcome. So I got my PhD and my law degree at Florida State University. And one of my favorite faculty, and I would not have gotten into the doctoral program without him, is Bruce Lamont. Bruce is still there. Um, a gentleman and a scholar. And I remember he talked about the term equifinality. Equifinality, and we had a whole week on that on, in the course I took. And he called it the, the, the topic of the week, equifinality, or why there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? I uh, don't mean to shock or offend any of you cat lovers out there. I'm an animal lover. Everyone knows I have 14 pets, but uh, just, uh, of course, a uh, uh, common phrase. But he's right. Um, there are oftentimes more than one way to get things done. Um, my parents um, live with me. I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s and my parents are in their 80s and um, they've been here with me since the birth of my daughter. Uh, they came to help out and when she was born and they just kind of never left and it's worked out well. But sometimes we disagree, right, about um, my mom especially, like how, how do we do this? Is that especially when she was little? Should we? I don't know. Do do you brush your teeth first, or do you take a bath first? Or do you take a bath first, or do you brush your teeth first? Probably doesn't matter. It's just that you get both of them done. Okay. So um, when you can have people concentrate, particularly that you have a shared outcome that you want to see, it's very good and able to convince people that, you know, we need to get on board, we need to work together. When, let's say you have a conflict about what to do, about what to do, that starts to get a little trickier. There's a term that we use in the literature called consensus conflict. Consensus conflict means Oh, you have such ideological differences that you will never agree. You will never agree. And let me give you an example of some ideological conflict. I'll take it out of the workplace arena. If you're pro-life or you're pro-choice, those are very polar views. I mean, there have been some politicians who've tried to find some, I don't want to say middle ground, but would say, well, how about we just have um try to prevent unwanted pregnancies to begin with, okay? That might be a way, but once someone is pregnant, pro-life and pro-choice, you know, those are two different, those are polar views. Or you are anti-death penalty or pro-death penalty. It's usually hard to see, have people see, um, see uh, the same point of view when you have that strong consensus conflict. The great thing about workplaces is usually we don't have those literally existential life or death type of questions that go on. It's like, should we go after this customer group or that customer group? Should we go in this market or, or this other market? Should we go with this, um, should we go with this uh, um, supplier or, or should we go with that other supplier? Or it could be like, we want to have a diversity and equity inclusion program. How should we go about it? So those things are important, 
but still, you know, it's, they're not as dramatic as those big consensus conflicts. Why do I spend so much time spending, talking about um, consensus conflict? Because when it's not consensus conflict, when it's not the type of conflict that people feel are tied to their identity or tied to their morals or their values, then a lot of times you can get people to budge. You can use types of techniques to make them, you know, try to change their point of view. So one of the things that you can do is when you choose your battle, make sure that you are choosing them wisely. Um, and that means that you don't want to have everything to be your battle. You need to be strategic. Strategy is very, very important. Another thing is, is that you have to think about, okay, I might win the battle, but will I win the war? And by that, I mean, okay, I might win this small battle at work, but I have gone through so much effort. I have, I have given up so much reputational capital or reputational credit for, um, for this battle that it's not even worth it. You don't want to alienate people as well. And remember, it doesn't make a difference if you're talking about battles that you may have with people who are above you, below you, people you supervise, people who are lateral. Um, you know, a lot of these same conflict resolution and type of techniques will work across the board. One thing that's important to do is to engage in, um, a political assessment of the environment. So once again, I'm gonna go back to my Florida State days. I was super duper duper lucky to study under some great amazing people at Florida State, including Jerry Ferris, Pam Paraway, Mickey Kachmar, all those people, Wayne Hawkwater, all those people are gods in the field when it comes to organizational politics. And so um, what, we know about uh, organizational politics is that once again, it oftentimes has like a, oh, like a, a distasteful tone, oh, politics. Um, Jerry Ferris, Pam Paraway, and Jerry Ferris' sister, who's a scholar too, Sherry Davidson, wrote a book called Political Skill at Work. Um, I really urge you, um, our listeners to go out and check out that book. They actually have, I think, a second edition. It is a, um, it's a great book for the um, manager, the employee who's trying to get ahead at work. And they talk about certain type of tactics that you can do to influence people. We call that social influence or uh, engage in something called impression management to get people around to your point of view. So once again, you have to make sure how, what battles you pick. You don't want to pick too many um, and fight on very many fronts. You want to be strategic. It feels like we're talking about war and I'm not saying that this needs to be warlike, but you need to be strategic when you do this. Um, you need to pick things that are important to you, but not only important to you, 
but your boss, your organization, your colleagues. You need to be strategic in doing that. Um, so be careful about what types of battles that you elect to choose. So let's say you are really, really, really um, committed to, okay, we have two options. Either we can um, let go people in a unit, like an entire unit, or we can engage into some furloughing where no one gets fired in the organization, but everyone has to, will have to be furloughed one day at a month. Let's say you really believe that with your organization, um, the culture would be impacted negatively if you did these types of layoffs, that employees will feel that their psychological contract, that is the unwritten um, agreement between the employer and the employee regarding how the employer was gonna treat the employee. Let's say you have that. Um, let's say you think that that would be violated. Well, and you think, okay, we definitely have to do the furloughs. You can do things like, okay, talk to other managers or other people or in position of power who have impact to come on board with you, with your idea. And that would be um, considered um, forming a coalition. Coalition. Another thing that you could do, another um, political tactic that you can use, and these are tactics that are talked about in the political scut workbook, and there are a lot of articles like Harvard Business Review articles about this. Um, another thing that you could do is legitimize. Legitimize is when you say, there's this organization and like, and we aspire to be like this organization and they're doing so, and they did this and it worked out so well for them. And don't we wanna be like that organization? So for example, I'm at a big 10 university. I'm at Florida, I'm sorry, I'm at, I went to Florida State. I'm at Michigan State. And um, what I would say, let's say I would say, okay, you know, University of Michigan is up the road, 80 miles away. So you know what? University of Michigan does this and it's working out really well for them and University of Michigan has great rankings and great stuff. So maybe we should do this so that we can find the same type of success as University of Michigan has. That would be um, legitimizing. Another type of political skill that you can um, engage in is um, rationalizing. Um, you can try to find information or try to make rational arguments like about why this is going to um why this is the approach that we should take um it it's not just it's my opinion you're trying to find logical rational arguments sometimes it is appropriate to engage in something called uh pressure uh and so pressure exactly is a saying hey you know, um, I have some type of power or authority and I'm gonna exercise it. And it could be 
the power and authority that a boss has over an employee, but it could also be the power and authority that an employee has over a boss, especially in contexts where like it might be a unionized environment or it could be a situation where, you know, people will say, well, you know, like if you don't do this, we're going to walk out or things like that. I mean, when you're using those kind of like what I like to call negative tactics, you have to use those very sparingly and you can't drop those bombs all the time, uh, especially because you don't want to violate any type of in, um, psychological contract and you don't want to poison the type of relationship that you have. Remember, the goal is to continue to work there and to have like a, a harmonious type of relationship, but sometimes you have to pull out those types of stops. Um, because you know that's the things that you need to do so once you've decided what is necessary like you know what how i'm going to do it how do you get people on board another thing is to do consultation consultation is okay i'm going to consult with you i'm going to get feedback from you. You can do consultation before you've made a decision or even after decision. Say, hey, we've decided to do this, this, do this. You might not really have been on board, but I really appreciate your guidance, your advice, your insight. And is there some, are there ways that you can help me, um, you know, um, with your expertise to be able to accomplish this goal? There's many studies that show that when you consult with people, they feel valued, they have uh, buy-in, uh, they feel um, like they are part of the team, and you can often get some really helpful type of responses out of that. When you are going to pick a battle, when you're going to, to fight, Remember, you have to have a plan of attack and you also have to have your data. You have to do get your ducks in a row. You have to get your information ahead of time. There's nothing worse than going into a meeting and saying, yeah, we should do this. Why? Because I said so. Or it's a good idea. Why? Because I think it's a good idea. You're undermining your credibility right there. And that's something that, you know, um, can harm you in the short term and in the long term with respect to your career. Something that's also important is that you shouldn't be like the kid. We all knew this kid growing up. They would pick a fight or do something like really bad and then they'd run and go get their big brother or big sister to get them out of it. You can't do that. You can't rely on people like your bosses, your coworkers, that VP that you went to, co to the college with to get you out of it. If you're gonna start a fight, you need to be the one to finish it and you know, Sometimes you have to fight the good fight. Um, my mother had said that many years ago and I didn't understand what she was saying. You know, let's quote some um, John Lewis, some, some good trouble. Sometimes you have to stir the pot. Sometimes you have to engage in some type of protest. Sometimes you have to make the uncomfortable kind of action in order to initiate change. So let's talk about like sports. Like a few years ago, when it came to um, Collar and Copernic, uh, um, people, some people were 
really like offended by he would take the knee. Now it's much more mainstream. A lot of times people who are, um, a lot of times people who are like the Mavericks, people don't understand them in, in retrospect. But a lot of times you will know, like, you know, you may feel like, hey, this is just the wrong thing to do. And once again, oftentimes at work, we're not talking about life or death, existential types of issues. However, you may have more insight in something because you deal with the customer, you deal with the product, or you see something like discriminatory behavior happening and you, and you feel like you have insight because you're observing it, you see it, you know the actors, on, and you may have the best perspective on what to do and how it should be done. Um, it's important to also test the waters when you're going to engage in um, some type of conflict when you're trying to fight your battle. By testing the waters, it might be talk to someone you trust. Talk to someone that um, you, you know, like a mentor or a colleague who's been there for a while to say, hey, how do you think this is going to go down? So for example, if you're totally alienated, if you're fired, for example, you can't um, engage in the type of change that you want to make if you're not there. Also, you have to be a person who doesn't just complain, 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 complain. You also have to make sure that if you're going to say, we need to change this, or we need to do this, that you have solutions, right? Not just say, oh, you know, essentially that's stupid or that's a bad idea. Well, then it's, it's, it's the onus is on you then to be able to propose some type of alternative. And when you go in there, it might be good before you have such meetings to practice what you're going to say. Make sure you have your emotions in check because you know that, um, you know that like as soon as you let your emotions get the better of you, things may devolve. And then, you know, you're just saying kind of crazy stuff and you're just not doing a good job and you're not representing yourself. And it turns into a battle of the wills or more of them concentrating on your behavior rather than on, you know, what is actually um, important. It's also something you have to take consideration is that um, you have to pick your timing. Sometimes it's important, you know, something is important, but it might not be the appropriate time to do it. Like for example, you might need to change your billing system. You might need to introduce some type of training. You might need to do something, but if you're doing layoffs the same week, if it's around the holidays, if you just posted like some type of like big quarterly loss, if you've just like done something where the boss is not happy or the boss is not just not unhappy because of you, but of somebody else, that might be a situation when you say, hey, this is not the right time. So part of choosing your battles is also knowing how to time your, your battles. That's, incre that's increasingly, increasingly important. And you have to make sure that you understand that you can have battles with your boss, but once again, there could be implications for that. 
And, you know, you might have private battles with your boss, but it may be wrong for you politically to have public battles with your boss. You know, you might disagree with your boss, but you don't want to call it your boss out in public and embarrass that person. What I like to tell people about, it's something called the Abilene Paradox. And I would really suggest as some follow-up reading, not only the political skill at work book that I told you, there's a real good article in Harvard Business Review called How to Pick Your Battles at Work um, that I would really suggest. And you know, that was some of my background reading for this talk. But go on YouTube and check out the Aveline Paradox. The whole thing is not on YouTube, but there are some, even like a skit by some, uh, some students at Wellesley College, did a real good job. But it was something that um, a Texas professor wrote in the, I think in the 1950s or 1960s, about how he wanted to go, well, someone proposed going to Aveline to go get something to eat one Sunday. And it's like in the 50s or 60s, their car doesn't have air conditioning. They drive all this distance to Aveline. They ate some greasy, nasty food. They came back. They wasted their entire Sunday. And then when they came back, they said, wow, that was a waste of a day. And someone said, yeah, it was. That was a bad idea. And someone said, well, I knew it was a bad idea, but why'd you go along with it? And they were like, well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. And then they start arguing. And then it talks about some other types of situations, like at work, how when we don't speak up and tell someone something's a bad idea, that in the long term, you may create more conflict by not speaking up than by speaking up. So we have to realize that conflict is not all bad. It can stir change. It can um, prevent people from walking off a cliff and doing something that's not a good thing. It can, um, you know, be a way to point out and address things like discrimination in the workplace. And, you know, we don't want to have the status quo. I'll be honest, I don't want to live in the 1970s again with my floor model TV with the tubes in it and like the Sears repair guy used to have to come and fix it. I like change. I like my Netflix, I like my cable, I like my smartphone, right? And if you don't have people challenging, we will just stay in the same point of view and think about the next time you use your smartphone, think about, you know what, conflict's not bad. Because without conflict, we don't get the types of changes or, or like that make us have a better life, not only at work, but overall. And on that, Note, I will end this week's episode of People Talk. Thank you so much for joining me, and please join me next week for another episode. Thanks. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to another episode of People Talk with Angela Hall. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues, and remember to subscribe to our show. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.